So we'll we'll have yeah okay. Not, Here's another enough. important question: Does Aluffy think he's dreamy? I mean, maybe. How would you know he's dreamy? He's got a mask on. <laughs> His entire great. face is covered in clouds. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Oh I mean, my god! Can you not flirt with everyone who comes in the booth? <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, you had your chance with Bishop Sarheen, and you didn't take it. That's true, and you have had your chance so far this week with two criminals that we've brought in, and both of those you're trying to swing. And I, I do we want to talk about your your vacation with your dad? I got. Well, let's go. Let's talk about your love life suddenly with her dad. What? <laughs> a Luffy. Um. The this previous week uh, has just come back from a vacation where she went on a cruise to Zendrick uh, with her father. Mm-hmm. Um. Because her dad is a weird dude. Because he's super weird, lonely. Weird, lonely man. Okay. Um, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of jokes. Is, has that been on the show before? Has he been on the show before? Uh, we've because uh, he's canon. We've been hesitant to bring oh. him on. He's okay. he's technically in the Dragon Marked uh, book from three point five. Harless Haskell Decivis. I think the only actual canon character we brought on was Zorchilic, and that's because it's fucking Zorchilic. Hello, my name's Rebecca. You saw me drinking. I, I see. This is why we have such terrible intros, because you always try and like sass it. Like, oh, Steve's drinking a whole gallon of water. Let me ask him now. We'll try again. Sure. Hello, my name's. I'm Re- drinking again. Why would you <laughs> do that? You're literally not. You're looking at me. Your hands are on your hips. <laughs> Yeah, I'm being you sassy. Start. You start. No, I don't want to no, start. No, you start. I don't want to start. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hi, my Hi, my name is Steve. <laughs> I got it in. Uh, it was definitely the first one. Hi, everyone. It's Steve. And that person who can't get her stuff together, that's Rebecca. She's entirely unprofessional. You guys know. You've listened to the episodes. And with us today, we have the... Um, Fuck, author swing and a miss. Yeah, I'm the worst. Wow. Uh, that's my fault. It's because I it's because I shut her brain you down. Shut me down. Oh my um, good god. You authored Adventures Almanac. Right? Yep. Yeah. Um Anthony well, Turco. As well, well as so many other things. Yeah. Uh you worked on um Tasha's Crucible of Every or Tasha's everything else. Yep. Yeah, everything else. Yeah. And then that's your most recent thing. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything Else, Volume One and Two. Yeah. I worked on that with a, as a with a collaboration of a bunch of other people, very very, very talented uh, DMs Guild authors. I, I'm I'm that's really cool to hear. I, I have a question though. Why do you guys have a second one if it's everything else? Didn't you nail everything else in the first one? Because now I've got questions. No, it was well, too like, big, so they had to put it in two. I mean, if there's Xanthar's Guide to Everything and then Tasha's Guide to Everything, why are there two different books? Uh, I, I, because I guess it's uh, perspective? 
Yeah, gotta yeah. get that female perspective. <laughs> uh, okay, all right, all right. Xanathar, he just he just drew boobs in all the corners of just everywhere. No, I think those were ice ducks. Oh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, he said they were ice ducks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's a beholder. I don't even know if he knows what they look like. So yeah, that's that's a, that's an interesting question. Uh, I, you know, I think they answered that in three five in like the Let's not. Uh, Lords Is of Madness. Like, is this actually going to be aired? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It's a toss-up. Yeah, with, with us, with uh, out of characters, uh, out of they characters tend to be a little, a little, more... uh, a, a little more. It's jazz. It's free form. It's just okay. a little bit of. <laughs> bit, 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 bit. Let's talk about boobs and three fat. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so Stephen, would you uh, please ask our 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 friend? Uh, you know, start on the list of questions we have. Okay, I can actually uh, absolutely. Yeah. Anthony, uh, what do you do? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can ask that question a little bit more eloquently. Anthony, uh, let's talk about your process and what it goes into creating the different things you. What is it you do? Uh, well, so my day job is in finance, but uh, I don't think that's why I'm here. Uh, I'm probably here because of my uh, tabletop RPG writing and game designing. Uh, which uh, my process for that is to sit down at my computer when I'm in the mood for it and not leave for hours and days at a time. Does that does that work? I get very little sleep, but it does. Man, because I can't do that because I will just stare and then hours will pass and I'm like, well, I achieved nothing. This day is a waste. You know what? You know what? The, the hardest part is the first blank page of like a Word document. So it's it's just so there's something intimidating about like uh, seeing like the cliff of the project in front of you that you have to climb and being at ground zero. Um, so I kind of just I cheat a little bit by by having like my own custom word template. So I already have like the cover uh, design that I want to do and then like the first title page. So at least I like I know like I'm starting from someplace. So it's not just like a blank page, you know. That is a very interesting idea. I, I maybe I have to try that because a lot of times either I hit a block. So when I'm doing writing, uh, I often just hit a block out of nowhere and then get stuck, or yeah. I go off on a tangent and decide I'm going to rewrite all the rules for fifth edition while right. I'm trying to work on a module <laughs> that means nothing. You know? Right, yeah. I mean, I get I get some some blocks sometimes too, but I just I don't stress about it because. Uh, like I said, this isn't my day job. Like I'm in finance, so uh, whenever I have writer's block, I just stop doing it for like a week or a month at a time and play video games or go do something else. Um, and then when you know when inspiration strikes, uh, I'm ready to go back, uh, go back into it. So that's probably why my my latest uh, project that I'm working on, Map Perilous, has taken me literally like three years to, to write. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like I started writing it. Uh, and then I got the bug to start another book, and I wrote and finished and released that book, Scion's Primer, uh, and then went back to Matt, Matt Perilous. <laughs> I was going to say, everyone's talking about Scion's Primer. Yeah, yeah. With, with, with Tasha's and stuff. And, yep. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of talk about Psionics. Ooh, <laughs> baby. <laughs> yeah, Psionics is, uh, is one of my favorite things about um, about third edition D&D and also how Eberron uh, incorporated it, so... I really enjoyed that. That was one of the things that I was like, oh man, they're just immediately including it. 
and it's yeah. a lot of fun and it has a lot of flavor to it and it has its own place in the world exactly yeah mm, yeah so like, good like when i first uh, uh i started playing in in th- uh you know th- 3.5 or, or third edition or whatever uh and the psionic book it seemed really interesting to me because it was like a strange non-magic magic thing uh but like if you play in a standard fantasy world like you know, Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms or something like that. Like, it might be canonically in the world, but it's just kind of this weird esoteric thing that doesn't really have, like, a place in the lore, you know? Like, it doesn't impact the world at all because it's supposed to be, like, this optional thing that you can use or not use. Yeah, like, it's thrown into a corner and it's just, like, anybody you meet who uses this is weird right. and exotic you're exactly, at a beautiful yeah. like map it's all sculpted out and there's a mm-hmm. sticker on it a little happy smiley face that just sticks out oh, that's where psionics is you know right, right. or like uh, I remember uh, stories of second edition because I you know, again I started third but like there's stories of like Elminster having five levels of scion because he had to have all the cool levels so like he's just <laughs> he's a wizard but also a little bit of a scion and it like, but he's not a scion. He's still just you know the arch wizard or whatever of the setting. So it's always it was always this weird kind of tacked on feeling to to other fantasy worlds. And I I feel like Eberron as like the flagship third edition campaign setting, like the first one, first new one they made for that for that edition. It like in- incorporated it in such a you know uh, unique and uh, fulfilling way that Sonics hadn't really been given its due uh, before, except probably for Dark Sun, uh, where it was the pendulum swung the entire other way with Dark Sun, and everything was Sonics instead of <laughs> I remember 3.5 and trying to balance the like, as a non-Eberron player at that time, just trying to have so hard when someone would be like, hey, I want to do Scion, it would throw your whole game off, and no, then I, I never really encountered that, um because well, then you run into a lot of people who are like, okay, well, this has spell resistance. Well, how does spell resistance work for this creature? Is it psionic resistance? So, this so the default to that was spell resistance and, and, and sonic resistance was the same thing. Uh, but I was uh, a real big uh, crunchy rules nerd in third edition. Uh, and now I write, you know, but <laughs> I think I've learned a little bit of, of lessons looking at the game design of fifth edition and, and, and fourth. Uh, and but like back in third edition, I loved all the nitty gritty rules and stuff. So I had like, I took the Magic Sonics transparency rules and then I, I made it even more complicated. <laughs> 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 totally unnecessarily, but it, it made sense in my head. So my player didn't have to worry about it. I just kind of, you know, adjusted difficulties on the fly and whatever. But, um, but yeah, for everyone, it was cool because like, if you wanted to run a campaign that was like all Sionics, you could... If you wanted to run a campaign with no Sonics, you could. And if you wanted a campaign with, like, a mix, you could do that, too, because it's just, like, all the different power groups have their own tool sets. So, like, if you're doing a game with, uh, you know, fighting against the Dragon Below with the Dalekir, you could have, like, you know, the Warlock uh, Dark Magic kind of Dalekir cultus, and then you could also have the, you know, weird, strange Sonics, like, Lovecraftian Sonics stuff with them, too, so... It was, it was pretty cool. I liked it. So, uh, did you begin your TTRPG journey with 3.5, or 3rd edition? Or was there was there something else that got you into tabletop role-playing games? So, I think my first exposure to anything like 
D&D or tabletop RPGs was from the collector's edition of Diablo 2. <laughs> it released with like uh, like a module and like pewter miniatures to like play a tabletop version of Diablo. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't have enough friends that were into it at the time uh, in high school. So it wasn't until I got to like sophomore year of college where I met like my college buddies and they taught me 3.0 D&D for the first time. And I, I basically took to it like a fish to water. I was like, this is so cool. And I never turned back. Have you played other uh, role-playing games other than just D&D? Yes, I played Big Eye Small Mouth, a little bit of Exalted, a little bit of Apocalypse World or Dungeon World. Okay. Both of those, yeah. Pathfinder, which is basically just D&D. Yeah, yeah uh, Pathfinder is just 3.5, yeah. but shinier. Right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I played a little bit of a little bit of other things, but mostly it's D&D. Some of the lore in Pathfinder is really good. I, I I will like. I I we played a few Pathfinder games, and I really enjoyed. We always did like the adventure paths, and I thought that they were always really well written. Yeah. So that's something that I that is to. something that I would like to see more of in D and D is like adventure paths. I, I know that they have that with like Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and but, well, but like I. The- I I can suggest the uh, Convergence Manifesto on the DMs Guild. Convergence which, Manifesto? Which I, helped, I helped edit the first half of. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so, uh, what I, you, you don't listen to uh, uh, our, our podcast, but we've mentioned several events of Convergent Manifesto uh, already. Yes. Oh, cool. I, I, do, I do listen to your podcast. I just like to binge it. Uh, uh, no, yeah. don't, don't, no, don't, don't, do no, it's not good for your system to do that. It, it's, it's not going to go well. I think the last one I listened to was the, uh, the, the first Long Shadows episode. Uh, wow, you're behind. Silas goes completely off the rails. <laughs> Classic Silas. Uh, Man, so those were good episodes. For, uh, the, after the Long Shadows, the very first one of the new year in 998, uh, we actually interview a Warforge, and during that one, uh, for the news, we talk about that we saw jumpers jumping uh, from the guild, diving down. And then in the episode that just passed, we had a conversation about Silas, who went on vacation. And while he was on vacation, uh, a bunch of people on the train jumped off midway through <laughs> while they were headed over uh, a, a ravine, and yeah, they just dove time. down. Perfect yeah. Time. Perfect timing. Uh, that was the one that Laura wrote. That was really good. Uh, the uh, the the extra planner DMV scene was yes amazing. yes amazing. <laughs> so much good in in reading those, and it, it was really hard to figure out how to tie them back in because a lot of it takes place out of Sharn, so it was really yeah. hard. And uh, we're hoping to hint it like one or two more of them, and then just having the whole the shebang. Yep. Yeah, oof, that'll be super. Uh, yeah, hopefully we can get someone to come be the voice of a certain provost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. <clears throat> when we do the interview with her, we'll be like, Imogen, do the provost, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so cool. Um, oh, yeah, we were talking yeah. about... Oh, I'm sorry, we're talking about RPGs. RPGs, RPGs. Yeah. Uh, so what got you into Eberron? I'm sorry. Oh, what what got, got you? Know, yeah, the, of all the things, like what? What was it that drew you into Eberron? Because so, I think I didn't have a physical copy, but they released like the the web copy of the the across Eberron like first promo pamphlet thing, where it was just a bunch of 
concept art, I think, by Steve Prescott of, like, the Warforged and the Lightning Rails and, like, the airships and stuff like that. And I don't know if I was just... If it was the, the like, hint of modern elements. Because it's not, like, D20 modern. It's not, like, it's not like you know, cars and, and uh, guns or anything like that and everyone. But, like, there's just enough stuff in there that it feels a little bit more modern than, like, Lord of the Rings or, you know, Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms and stuff like that. And I don't know why, but that really just drew to me, and I thought it was super cool. I mean, Eberron is super cool. I'm really, really super, uh, super happy about the, uh, you know, the current renaissance of D&D in 5th edition. It's like the, the most successful edition they've had ever in history, I think. Oh, yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, so, like, I'm definitely not one of those people that is all like, oh, it was better back in the old days when blah, blah, blah. <laughs> definitely See, not one of those. I think new blood I'm, is really I'm, important for any hobby. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I'm solidly one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was against Eberron when it first came out. I will. Be, oh, it was too modern for you? So uh, I was super into Oerth, and I really enjoyed a lot of the Greyhawk setting and a lot of the stories in there. And I absolutely hated Forgotten Realms. <laughs> <laughs> and then they brought out Eberron, and I was like, oh, this is just something you else. I'm just trying to be, I just like my D&D the way it is. And then I played one game in it, and it was uh, the starter game. And I was like, uh, Dragon Mark House is the fucking coolest thing on the planet. I'm yeah, all in yeah. on this. This is all I care about. Yeah. I will give my life to this. And yeah. then I stopped caring about anything related to Oerth and Greyhawk. Yeah. It's it's like it's like Shadowrun light in the sense that it's not like super awful grimdark like a like a, any cyberpunk game would be. But there's like there are mega corporations. They're just called mercantile houses, <laughs> and like they have like this magical <laughs> monopoly on on you know like society it's super fascinating uh i just i love how it came together big props to you know keith baker uh james wyatt bill slavisek and i think there's somebody else that i'm forgetting yeah. uh, they won't know they don't listen it's fine <laughs> yeah <true. laughs> yeah but the, the original the original group because you know everybody knows keith baker yeah. Uh, uh, but he also, you know, he, he designed it with a bunch of other people, and I think he would also like to share the credit too. So uh, definitely, James Wyatt, I think, has uh, brought a lot of it to the setting, and I'm really glad he's back writing for 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 D and was gonna say James yeah. Wyatt. I think, isn't isn't Bruce Cordell? Wasn't he also in that one? Uh, Monte Cook was. Bruce, Bruce Cordell is is also one of my favorites. He's the guy who wrote the expanded uh, 3.5 Sonic book, mm-hmm. which like half of my book is based on. So. <laughs> 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 so let's uh, slightly change focus, I suppose, into our more silly questions. Now, I will tell you, you are one of two. a... It's two it's now. It's two. Yep. Two people. You are one of two people who we have interviewed who has actually gotten these questions before we've asked them. Okay. So if, you're, if your answer isn't good... Um... <laughs> <laughs> From this point forward, we will just put everyone on the spot, and this is on you and yeah, Skelly. Yeah. All right, I'm game, I'm game. <laughs> if you could cast one spell in real life, what would that spell be? See, now I thought about this, and it was a toss-up between two. It's either Wish or Precedentation. See, now Wish is fantastic, but it's also literally a monkey monkey's paw, right? And, like, with if you cast a Wish in the 5th edition rules... You can mimic any spell ever, like, without without a chance of, you know, some huge mishap happening. 
So if you can cast a wish, you can cast any spell, uh, and it's fine without a problem. But there's always going to be the temptation to do one of those ad hoc wishes where, like, something could go wrong, uh, depending on how you ask it. And I think, knowing myself, the, the temptation to get a little bit extra with the wish would be too hard. So I don't think I'm going to give myself a wish. I would just stick with Precedentation. Because honestly, like, if you can have any one at-will spell, uh, and it's only, like, not a cheat spell like Wish, I think Precedentation is the most versatile and useful for a normal person who isn't, like, going to fight someone. <laughs> yeah, we definitely, uh, we had one of our listeners, Gembo, uh, he, he went over a whole thing with Prestidigitation and exactly how it has infinite uses in your yeah. everyday life. And I was like, oh my God, I never would have yeah. thought of any yeah. of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the description of Prestidigitation is also so open in fifth edition <laughs> that you could literally be like, could I maybe do this with Prestidigitation? Are you kidding? Like Prestidigitation in the kitchen is amazing. Yes. Like, <laughs> like just being able to like prepare food like super quick and instantly and clean all like your dirty dishes like with a snap of your finger are you kidding you, me <laughs> you will That's, never have soggy day after pizza again right no nope. no That's you're so right great. so great i would love to have presentation oh look at me i'm eating this <clears throat> celery and it tastes like fresh pizza yum, 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 yum. you wouldn't eat this because because the texture yeah the, the texture. texture is going to be a problem with that yeah because then you get the you get oh, the but I could, flavor versus texture. I, I could I could eat lettuce and pretend it's pineapple. Yeah, I like, could do that. Like, even like even without going crazy with the whole taste thing, right? Like even if you're just adding normal, like the taste of normal spices. Like you know how expensive saffron is. Yes, I'm a saffron dealer. I'm I'm. Quite- <laughs> <laughs> we actually we've talked about growing saffron ourselves. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Like if you go to the if you go to the to like you know the grocery store and you go to the spices aisle, you can get like a jug of garlic salt for like a buck fifty, uh, and then you go over a couple inches and there's the bottle of, like the tiny bottle of saffron, and it's like two little tiny tw- twig twines of saffron for like eight ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> this is a imitation vanilla extract and it is like a buck and then this is just three vanilla bean pods for 1850 yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so like presentation just to like save money on spices and like never have to go out and buy spices again would be fantastic like always you will never oversalt your, your food again yeah I, see i'm really curious as to how that would work logistically like how flavoring your food would you flavor it as just like oh it tastes like birthday cake or would you like this tastes more like i'm adding vanilla to it would you flavor the sugar and then cook it if you were baking a cake i've got so many questions about how this would work if i were if i were to dm uh and somebody was casting it i would say that they could do either so you could either completely replace the flavor of something or you could flavor it in the sense that you season it hmm could you, could you over flavor then? Could you over yeah, like when you you're set- take it away? Yeah. Because oh, oh, this is too is- salty. Make it less salty. Oh man, I'm I'm really enjoying this this idea. Yeah. Because we've talked briefly, we did we did a cooking episode, and uh, like I'd really like to go more into magical foods and stuff like that. Uh, man, because once the brain starts percolating, you know, that's the end of it. Think of it. Think of it this way, right? Like 
if the spell allows you to completely overwrite the flavor of, of, of a substance, you can taste that substance and then think to yourself, oh, it needs to be a little bit more salty. So I'm going to make it taste exactly how like what it tastes like, but more salty. And then you're like, okay, no, that's too salty. And then you make it exactly what it tasted like then, but less salty. Like, it just does whatever you want. Prestidigitation would make poisoning someone so much easier. I mean, there's already poison that tastes like almonds, so I don't think you need to go crazy with that. <laughs> I, I said easier. So. <laughs> this poison tastes like birthday cake. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, I've decided on a new character for Eberron. Oh, gosh. Galanda <laughs> uh, Black Dog. Yeah. A Galanda Black Dog. Uh, yeah, I have a Galanda Black Dog, but instead of, you know, just a normal one, uh, he actually takes the time to just sell flavored poisons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one tastes like root beer. Put it in his drink. It'll be fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, we ask another question uh, that is a pointless and ridiculous question, and that is if you could add one thing to Eberron. What would you add? You can add anything into Eberron. You're introducing something. What would it be? Or into any fantasy setting, I guess. Well, if, if you're not fun. Because Eberron's the coolest fantasy setting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so this isn't... I didn't take this as a, as a funny, useless question. Uh, I took this very seriously. Oh, God. And my answer uh, is I want Numenera-level uh, science fantasy elements to Arganesson. Because I think that would be super cool. Uh, do you guys know the Numenera game? No. It's yes, one, let's, uh, let's pre- we're cool. Let's pretend I know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, we it's know, fun. but but our listeners, yeah, our, might our not. listeners have no. Right, yeah. Right, right. So Numenera is one of, is one of the latest games made by Monty Cook and Monty Cook Games, um, and the uh, it uses the cipher system, which I forgot is one of the other games that I do play. It takes place in the world of Numenera, and Numenera is Earth nine billion years in the, in the future, and there's been like. What's that? I don't think it's nine billion. It's one billion years in the future, but there's been nine nine times that intelligent life has evolved, advanced, and then left Earth in one way or another, either disappeared or died out or went extinct or whatever, and then life just like evolved again into intelligent life again, and like half of them humans evolved again for some reason. No one's no, no one knows why, but like all the technology of the previous civilizations is still, like, part of the world and can be found, like, in the ground or, like, jutting up as as the size of, like, a spire the size of a mountain or something. So the world is in kind of, like, a feudal medieval society, but there's all this, like, ancient technology that, like, that delves into alternate dimensions and, like, hyperspace and, like, Ooh. satellites uh, up, a, up in orbit and the data sphere, which is kind of, like, a super advanced version of the internet and stuff like that. And nanotechnology and things like that but it's all it's all like obfuscated like how it works to these people because they're just medieval you know they're just a medieval society so it's kind of a amalgamation of like science fiction and fantasy and I would really love to have Argonessen this continent of dragons who have a society that's been the same society for like a hundred thousand years at least i think like a million years and they're super intelligent super smart and i think they should have space stations and i think they should be able to create moons 
So that's like one of the, uh, my personal kind of headcanon things of Eberron that I would love to see like in a book somewhere. Just make Eberron, like make the dragons a super advanced, almost science fiction level of, of society and technology and stuff like that. I think that'd be really fascinating. That is a really fun idea. Uh, uh, yeah, I could imagine, because that would explain a lot how they pulled off some of the shit they pulled off. Right, yeah. So, like, like, but it's all kind of, like, prime direct... Sorry. Right, well, that's... that's there's actually a bit of that in, in canon already. Like, uh, the the dragon that taught the Gatekeeper Druids how to make, like, the, the Zoriette seals and stuff that keep the Delker at bay, she was considered an apostate by Draconic Society because she dared to teach, you know, the quote-unquote lesser beings uh, Draconic knowledge. And the reason they have that is because the last time they taught a quote-unquote lesser race their magic, it was the giants, and the giants nearly destroyed, you know, reality by breaking a moon. <laughs> and also, like, there's this fascinating thing with Tiamat and how if the dragons take too much of an active role in ruling or teaching other other societies, it strengthens Tiamat's hold on their arrogance and makes it more likely for her to break free. So the dragons already have a reason for having that kind of prime directive where they're hand, very hands-off and like just keeping an eye on things because they're self-restraining themselves from just ruling everything because it would, you know, destroy their society by freeing Tiamat. I super hardcore love this. I, was, I really enjoy... Because, yeah, th th there's just so much you could do with that. I really like. Yeah, that bit's in canon. So, so there's, a, like, there's already a veil up, and I would just like to be there to be, like, way more behind that veil than was in the uh, the, the book Dragons of Eberron for 3rd edition, where, you know, they, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that book, don't get me wrong, but I just want to, I, I want to crank that ridiculous uh, high-tech, you know, advanced magical society is, you know, like, what's the quote from... Asimov, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. I want yes. the reverse of that. Any sufficiently advanced magic is indistinguishable from technology. And I want it to be so advanced that the technology looks like sci-fi. I think that that would be... So, like, I'm thinking back to, like, a lot of the first edition, second edition, because they had a lot of sci-fi elements that were tucked away in different modules yeah. that were still set in the, And that is, that is all really cool, and I'd love yeah. to see something like that in... Ebra. I really enjoyed Vivrak, uh, the the dragon who taught the gatekeepers. Yeah, uh, and that whole story. The, the just there's so much good. There's so much good. Uh, man, yeah. Ebron's the best. Yeah, <laughs> Ebron is the best, and he, he took this question too seriously. Yeah. I don't know what we're supposed to I do mean, with that. You gotta tell me if it's a joke question, otherwise I'm gonna take it seriously. So. Oh no 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 <laughs> so no no! I'd rather I'd answer. much yeah. rather you uh, you take things seriously than as a joke, because then. You know, it just makes us look like fools. So, uh, a question that's not on here uh, before we get to promoting sure. your stuff. What is your favorite aspect of Eberron? Because you said that you saw a lot of different art and that modernizing was something that you're like, oh, I kind of like that. It's a step in the right direction. But what of all the things in Eberron is your absolute favorite? I think we need to ask that question of more people who are involved in Eberron because we need people who are hard. casual hearing. Uh, so, oh, good. Yeah, that's what we want. Hard question. Good. <laughs> that is a super hard question. The, the most thing I like the most about Eberron. There are so many villains to choose from. I think that's the coolest thing about everyone. Like, there, there is so much that could go wrong with the setting, 
that it it's it's up to the DM to like pick and choose your own campaign pretty much and like there's there's enough that could be tipped over but that like it doesn't have to if you don't want it to because like it's very easy to put like you know in a in a you know Forgotten Realms book that like oh yeah the Red Wizards are going to conquer the Dale Lands or whatever then that's very strictly what's going to happen like that's or Zaz Tam is trying to become a god like that's what he's going to do like he's actively trying to do to do that but like with Eberron it's set up in such a weird precarious manner that like any any villain villain that you don't want to use well their plot can just take another 10 centuries to you know foment or whatever and it's just it's really fascinating how to like there's so much for heroes to do in the world that I love it's a very good answer because I think a lot of what we enjoy is the adventures and what they can do yeah and getting to hear their stories, even if sometimes they do feel a little far-fetched and overlapping. But, uh, man, it, it is nice to... I like the trains. Okay, they're called rails. Uh, we've had this conversation before. I'm not going to... Why would anyone call them trains? Come on now. Train what? What are you trying to train? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think that's a good point. I mean, there, there are caravan trains that are, aren't even connected. They're just... Yeah. One after another. And those those predate locomotives, right? Or duck trains. Uh, lo- locomotives? Is that, is that what, no, they're lightning rails, guys. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Duck train? No, what the hell is In the real world, I think caravan trains, like the word train predated the 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 invention of that, right? In the 1800s? Yeah. yeah. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, that feels like something, yeah, if, yeah, I was gonna say, if Rebecca says yes, then the answer is yes, because she's a goddamn train nerd. No, I'm just a nerd, Steve. Not specifically. I'm sorry, you, you ran in uh, a, uh, a Minecraft Let's train server, did you not? Did you not? Right Were you now. a moderator on uh, that? So, Anthony, um, tell us a little more in depth about what you're working on now, where people can find uh, the things that you have worked on where people can get in contact with you if they're interested in other stuff. Promote okay. your stuff. Promote promote my stuff, okay. So right now, uh, I'm working on Map Perilous, which is going to be uh, a continent-spanning bestiary of the Corvair continent in, in, in Eberron, like the main kind of adventure locale for the campaign setting. And uh, it's going to be organized uh, a little differently from most bestiaries instead of a to Z, it's going to be a drill down into each specific region of the of the setting, like whether that be a country or a frontier or you know some territory uh, that's in rebellion. Oh, that, that that's going to be really cool. I, I can't wait to read about Sharn and the different stuff there. Where oh, pigeons? Sharn yeah. has a section that's bigger than Breland. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, a lot of it is uh, conversions of uh, NPCs or past editions. Or you know, brand new stuff that uh, I wanted to bring to to the table. There's going to be a new uh, demonic overlord that one of my friends, Meg, uh, helped me, you know, brainstorm and, and create. It's not quite ready for for release. Maybe sometime in the next six months or so. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> other than that, my other books that are already released and you can you can go check out are on the DMs Guild. If you search for Korn, Kornberg Chronicle. That's uh, C-U-O-R-R-A-N-B-E-R-G, and then Chronicle, uh, spelled the dictionary way with a C. <laughs> You'll find the rest of my books 
which are a mix of other bestiaries, like player option books. Adventures Almanac and Scion's Primer are the big two player options book, but Scion Primer always also has uh, Psionic Monsters for the DM, uh, which would be cool. If you want to check me out like on Discord on the Eberron server, you can chat with me there. I have my notifications on and the server is not muted, so <laughs> ping me whenever you want. <laughs> well, it has been a delight to have you on. Thank you. Everybody should go purchase all of the things. Like, you can go onto DM's Guild, you can find something that Anthony has made, and then just click on his name, and it shows everything he's made, and then just add them all to cart yes. and buy them. There you go. You can make it easy. Search by my by my name, you can search for that too. It's Anthony yeah. Turco. Turco is spelled T-U-R-C-O. So that would be pretty easy to do, I guess. <laughs> do it. Right now. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I mean, you're a delight. I've played uh, with you before. And, I mean, you're just wonderful to chit-chat with on the Discord server. So Thank you. Thank you. You too. Also, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't had many interactions with Anthony other than just chatting on the Eberron. And uh, every time that's been enjoyable. But I've heard nothing but good things about all the interactions that Rebecca has had. Well, thank you. So, oh, thank you. Uh, it has been a, a great time. Uh, and thank you for everybody for listening. Again, go check out all of uh, Anthony's stuff. It feels like we're in a spiral. And we are in a spiral now. We're just going to keep going and going. It's going. been a really good time, and I want to thank you guys for being here. <laughs> it was uh, really enjoyable. Yeah, super fun. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>